What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Bring in show music, please. This is Squawk Pod. I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on our podcast, wild swings again in the markets, this time mega cap tech names rallying. We use a lot of computers, uh, apparently. And retail traders, they love these comeback stories. Tom Sosnov of Tasty Trades. Retail investors account for about 20% of the order flow but they make up about 80 plus percent of market direction. And a stark warning from the White House, not enough chips to last a week. I think this is an issue of security. At some point, we do want to have these chips manufactured here in the United States. Plus, a doll of a deal for Mattel. Investor Kathy Wood leaning in to text tumbles. And Elton John is staying off stage for now. Who knows his original name? Oh, I used to know this. But maybe there's an understudy in Times Square. Maybe I'd go Joe Adonis Kernan. Is that taken? It's Wednesday, January 26th, 2022. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand back, you buy in three, two, one, cue, please. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. And of course, we're going to start with the markets because, uh, yeah, once again, we had some pretty wild rides. The Dow ended yesterday's session down by just 66 points, but that was well off the low. And if you were watching this yesterday, wow, something to behold. The Dow was down by as much as 818 points, and then it was up by as much as 226 points during the session. So a lot of action throughout the day. The S&P and the Nasdaq also closed off their lows, but they were down by 1.2 percent and two and a quarter percent, respectively. This piece of news last night, which might provide a bit of a firewall to the market, we will see, uh, which is Microsoft uh, earnings and uh, shares higher. Uh, The company reported earnings of $2.40. 48 cents per share, beating estimates of $2.31. Revenue rose by 20% over the prior year, also beating estimates. And the current quarter revenue guidance now came in above expectations as well. Microsoft CFO saying that demand remains strong across much of the business. And um, another good quarter for Satya Nadella. And maybe this goes to the whole idea that there we saw a whole bunch of companies last last week didn't didn't have the same kind of um, Performance, and I don't know if that's if this is now weeding out the good from the bad. Is it that was what such happened? a weird. Is that what happened? Yeah. It was such a weird reaction after the bell, though. I couldn't figure out why shares were down so much because most of the news, just about every line, they beat expectations on. Um, the guidance that they gave on the call was even stronger in terms of the current quarter. Um, but that was a weird reaction after the bell. And I was thinking if that's the standard that every one of these tech companies is going to be held to, it's going to be a very rocky earnings season. The numbers are just off the charts, though. Yeah. Just just the. Not necessarily relative to expectations, but just the absolute numbers that just looking at that. We use a lot of of computers, uh, apparently, and a lot of those computers use Windows and everybody's at home. 50 billion, anything over 50 billion in a quarter? Yeah. We still, people don't have enough Windows yet? And obviously, it's the cloud and Azure and services and 
did you see how slowly the games business was, was growing in terms of both hardware and, uh, and software, both single digits? Yeah, so but that it's makes like sense. 11% of, of revenue, I think, at this point for the company. Well, and, now that's headed it's gonna up. It's going to be a lot to, more. That's going to be a rocket ship, uh, right. you figure, you, right. you would think. And they want us to be able to, I'm going to have to play a game. You know what I mean? It, because it sounds like fun. I have a new it, one for you. Really? Yeah. You'll like it because it's like the jumble, Wordle. Wordle, do you, do you play it on a, on a phone? Or a yeah, you or it, it's an app that you put a download onto your phone. And it's, it, it, just, it, 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 it's because you like the way words look and letters look. It's a little more challenging. It took me a little bit to get into it, but um, it's fun. You'll like it. It's scrambling them? Because if it's a hangman, no, it's wheel like, of fortune type thing, it, I don't even want to... It's a hangman type thing, but it's harder. And it's, it, 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 trust me, it makes you think. You'll like it. I'm in the bottom 5% of uh, wheel of fortune players. I really am. I, I, the letters that are up, really? I can like, I, I can pronounce the letters that are up, but I have no ability to see what other How letters. How is that might... possible when you're so good at the jumble? I don't know. I can't do it. I, it, I'm I might terrible be able to at the do jumble. It if, even I can play Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> and I, my son, my wife, I'm sitting there, and and I'm like, there can be one letter missing, and I'm still like, geez. I don't... Oh, I finally found a game I can beat you at. Everyone can beat me at that. Meanwhile, the Jeopardy champ is like, we're going to be in like six years. We're off topic. But in six years, Clearly. we're going to be talking about Amy. We are. Oh. Because she's still going to be winning. She's still going to be winning. <laughs> she won $60,000. I know. Here I am talking about TV again, Andrew. But I did see it. And she, she bet 25 on final. And final was so easy uh, last night. Uh, Texas Instruments, let's talk about that. I know you, you were... While I was watching Jeopardy, and you were poring over these numbers, right? Margins, basis points, uh, expenses, no, uh, foundries. You think I'm uh, such a nerd. I know I, it's, I'm not that much of a nerd, I Well, promise. you're out. I think you're out. Or are you out? See, I don't know. I don't know what a guy like you is doing in a, in a period like this because you are working it. And you're not out at, were you at like uh, Ilios or something with Sarah Palin? You, you were not out last night? With Sarah no, Palin? No, she was there the other night. Yeah, and didn't you show her Vax card and then got COVID? I right. thought you knew. That. No, you right. Gotta, no, I, I, it's in the New York I'm reading, Post. No. I'm yeah. reading the tabloids too. Why? No, I'm no, watching I know, I know. Jeopardy. I, I know the whole Palin, Palin drama. So. Oh, oh you do. Okay, yeah, that was at Elios. I haven't been to Elios. You've been to Elios, like in the last 24 hours, right? No. No. <laughs> For breakfast, you got takeout. All right, uh, Texas instruments are higher. Earnings and revenue beat estimates, and the company's uh, outlook came in higher than expected. Then on the call, the company said it plans to place additional emphasis, emphasis <laughs> on the wrong syllable, on the wrong syllable yeah. uh, industrial and automotive businesses, uh, uh, serving chips to two areas hit hard um, by the global shortage. Uh, Good, good idea. I don't know. What it's, we've got five-day inventory. Did you see that story? Yeah, I did. I mean, In fact, that's the story nothing. we're going to talk about right now. Oh, it is? Okay. Yeah. We used to have 40 days, and now we have less than five days. When we're talking about these chips, we mean the U.S. Commerce Secretary warning yesterday that U.S. companies that use semiconductors are down to less than five days of inventory. You compare that to 2019. That's when companies typically maintained 40 days of inventory for chips. This makes us very 
susceptible to any problems that might pop up, even from weather, from COVID shutdowns overseas, anything else. Secretary Gina Raimondo is urging Congress to approve the U.S. Innovation and Competition Act, which includes $52 billion in spending to boost domestic chip production. Even if they were to approve it at this point, you probably wouldn't see anything that really took place until about 2025. So the Commerce Department, with this report, is basically saying there's not a lot that they can do about it right now, that this is going to be up to private industry to hopefully communicate very well and try and figure out where the shortages are, uh, the real gaps between supply and demand. But demand is up enormously, um, and the supply has not met that. I think I read that the demand was up by about 17 percent. We have not seen any increase in supply, and that's where you're going to continue to see these problems. Department of Commerce says this is a problem through at least the end of this year, and they can't tell beyond that. Um, we saw this earlier this week. We had Intel on last week talking with us, uh, the CEO, Pat Gelsinger, about the, the new plants that they're building in Ohio, and that's going to be great. But again, those plants won't be up and running till 2025 either. We did a nationwide search for our next mega fab location. And, uh, you know, we looked at, uh, you know, 30 to 40 sites around the nation and on a many factors, you know, big, you know, this is going to be uh, grow to, we hope, eight fabs over time. So a large location, energy, water, talent, you know, we have the uh, all of the Midwest schools and this is manufacturing. You know, we wanted a place that had a, you know, history, a passion for manufacturing at scale. And then you start to start to think, do you want to start to subsidize this industry in a meaningful way? And would we be doing it at the right time? Meaning if you actually and, and nobody knows, because it may be that demand isn't what it, it isn't the same situation three years from now. But so, this is, I think this is an know. issue of security. At some point, we do want to have these chips manufactured yes. here in the United States. And if you can incentivize that, I, I think that's probably an important thing to go ahead and do. Um, it, it didn't make sense to build it here otherwise. Um, and we saw the problems that that's gotten us into. There, there are chips in everything now. I think automobiles right. are one of the real shortages, medical supplies, uh, another issue where they're having serious issues. And that's two of the areas where the Commerce Department right. is really kind of focusing well, right get now. Get ready for some, some higher prices because it costs more to do here. So that's just going to play into the yep. inflation theme as well. It yeah. is. And higher prices and, and not to mention the, the potential shutdowns. If you've only got less than five days supply, if there's anything, you have shutdowns yeah. that come again and then you don't have, it, which again, probably drives up inflation. That's why you see such higher um, automobile prices, too. Every time you get a, a, a earnings report from one of these companies, it's like, oh, my God, they didn't hit. Well, if you don't have the stuff, to, if, if it's right. a supply issue, you can't even gauge what the actual demand is. Or right. So it makes it all, it muddies the water. And the, the Commerce Department in, in this report was also suggesting that some of the middlemen, you know, the companies that get these chips and then turn around and supply them. They were going to be looking at them for potential gouging if they were really yeah. jacking up prices. But you also know that part of what happened during this is you were paying three times as much for shipping for some of these things. So you're going to see higher prices regardless. In my next life, I'm going to be a middleman of something because they, they don't they don't have to do anything. And they just they're, they're, uh, they're just they think about pharmaceutical uh, and you blame them for everything. But mm. no one really they're sort of these shadowy figures that uh, that just are there taking a cut of everything as it uh, yeah like i said i'm gonna be an agent right. one comment just on the semiconductor thing because we've never talked about it enough you know we talk about autos having all of these problems with semiconductors because there's not enough chips yeah and then you look at tesla and if you really look under the hood to understand why they've actually managed to deal with the demand issue right. uh, in a way that the others have is they reprogrammed the chips. They actually reprogrammed, I wouldn't say they reprogrammed the chips. They redid some reprogramming so that they could use other chips that were actually available. 
And this was something that actually most of the other automakers couldn't do because they didn't really have the, the, the people or the engineers to actually do it. So they were actually using chips that they weren't initially planning to use because there, they were, there was inventory. Chips and for that's what? a very like interesting, that's game? another element of this. No, meaning there, are, there were chips that were available that, and they were very good. I mean, this is why Elon Musk was so good at this. Yeah. He, was, he, he went out and found that there were chips that weren't being used, but those chips were different. I mean, look, there's different types of chips, and they, they actually started to pro change some of the programming so that they would work on certain chips. Anyway, it was, it, you, I was you reading about said, this. And you, talking, you know you said under the hood. Did this. you know you said if you look under the hood? Did you That's say that on purpose? I don't think you did. I didn't even know, Joe. You said look under the hood. I don't, I don't think there's a lot on. to see. It's, is there? It's under 6, that, it's 10 like in the morning, but yeah. it's a nice... Yeah, I thought, know, I'm going to give nice. you credit for coming up with that. You, if you um, look under the I'll, hood. You, as you know, I will take whatever I can get. Good. Up next on Squawk Pod, the markets may seem topsy-turvy, but CEO of online brokerage Tasty Trade says this storm will pass. I don't look at it as it's a rocket ship getting ready to take off. I do think the market was grossly overbought, and I think it needed to correct itself. I also don't see this as the beginning of a crash or anything like that. Tom Sosnoff on weathering a correction and some tips for retail traders right after this. The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. Hi, I'm Ben. I suffer from a condition called writer's block. It strikes when I'm at work. That's why I choose Canva Magic Write. It works fast, generating texts in seconds, thanks to AI. Common side effects include increased productivity, compliments from coworkers, feelings of satisfaction. Now I can say bye-bye to writer's block. Ask your boss if Canva Magic Write is right for you at canva.com, designed for work. And Andrew Bai. This is Squawk Pod. Good morning and welcome back to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. I'm Andrew Ross Sorkin along with Becky Quick and Joe Kernan. It has been a, a bad few weeks for the markets, but an even worse one for some of the hot trades for retail. Check out shares of Buzz ETF, which tracks the stocks with the most positive sentiment from online sources like social media and news articles. It is down now more than 20% in 2022. However, some reports saying it may have been retail investors buying the dip and powering the midday rally yesterday. So we're trying to figure out what actually happened. Tom Sosnoff is here. He's the founder and co-CEO of trading platform Tasty Trade. Do you buy it? You, you see the flows, Tom. Is it, is it retail that's buying the dip or is it institutions? You know, I'm glad you asked the question because it's really a fun topic for me. Retail investors account for about 20% of the order flow but they make up about not, about 80 plus percent of market direction. And most people don't really recognize that or realize that, but retail investors do make up market direction. So I do think that a lot of the um, rally or the little bit of the comeback in the market the last couple of days when it has rallied, uh, it's all been retail. I agree. So one of the things we're seeing here, and I'm looking at some data this morning, uh, showing that surprisingly, uh, I would say levered tech ETFs 
uh, this is like the uh, TQQQ and things like that, enjoyed the largest retail inflows on record at the same time that we've had the market go in the opposite direction. How do you explain that? It, it's actually, it's, it's an interesting phenomenon. And the reason it is, is because retail investors, like I said, since they make up so much of market direction, what you got to realize that that the majority of the volume is generated by you know high frequency firms, professional market makers, things like that, and they're not interested in direction. They're interested in scale. So retail investors drive direction, and then institutional investors pile on. The institutional investors are kind of like the big dumb dinosaurs, the big dumb animals, and it's the retail investors that have kind of that contrarian sense. They also are speculators, they're risk takers. So it's usually the person that's managing their own money that's kind of looking for that little kind of contrarian edge. And I think that's what you're seeing right now. And it's actually it's actually a good sign. That speculative kind of um, that, that speculative mechanics that's built into most retail investors. I think that's the really positive thing that we're seeing. But we we have the impression and, and maybe I'm wrong in saying this, that oftentimes it's retail that gets uh, left holding the bag. And that the quote smart money is taking advantage of, and I don't want to call retail the dumb money, but that's the yeah. th that's the way this has been set up for years. If you, if you read the narrative, and the narrative is wrong. That's the optics, but the narrative is wrong. The retail investors, there's a reason that the institutional investors generally underperform the benchmarks, and it's because they're slow, and it's because they tend to follow. It's the retail investors that tend to make the turn, meaning it's the ones they're on. They're the lead investors. And sometimes, like in the case of some of the meme stocks and things like that, you know, it doesn't work out. They try to do things that they're not capable of doing. But when a retail investor senses, you know, that the market's oversold, they're the first ones to go in and buy. And that's exactly what you saw the last couple of days. So do you look at the last two days as a, a floor, a bottom, some form of capitulation? Do you see this as a stair step that continues to go down? Do you see this as a rocket ship that goes up for all of those on Reddit who, who, who believe that we're in for, you know, that there are some, some, some real optimists out there that think this is like, you know, one of the greatest buying opportunities. And by the way, I mean, Kathy Woods would say the same thing. Yeah, I, I don't look at it as it's a rocket ship getting ready to take off. I do think the market was grossly overbought and I think it needed to correct itself. I also don't see this as the beginning of a crash or anything like that. I think we still have may have some room to go and there's and there's been some real selling. But you got to look the internals of this market, you know, a few of the core stocks that have carried this market over the last couple of years, you know, obviously they've had some nice sell-offs here, but the guts of this market has had a huge sell-off. Like we're looking at stocks that are, you know, I mean most retail investors have been buying stocks that are down 50, 60, in some cases 80%. And in, the, in those cases, yeah, I like it. I like those stocks. I like, I like, I like buying here um, specifically because implied volatility is high. That means you have a very decent size expected move coming. And I think that's a very good risk reward. Tom, when you look at a lot of the companies that have come public over the past two years, either uh, through traditional means or through a SPAC, I think something on the order of 30% or more of them have no earnings. And, you, and you've seen the air come out of a lot of those companies. I've been skeptical. And one of the things I've been skeptical about is that the, the retail investor fully understands the incentives uh, around some of those types of transactions. And so I wonder how you look at those type of stocks today. Are those buying opportunities or are those just uh, reaching some form of reality? 
Well, I think you're right on both cases. I think they are reaching some form of reality. I think the problem with the SPAC marketplace um, and, and to a certain extent, some of the IPOs last year was that companies were allowed to set their own price and investors also didn't really understand the dilutive nature of SPACs. So I think a combination of those two, and now they've kind of seeked their own level price-wise. So I, I'm not saying the SPAC stocks are, are cheap here or some of the IPO stocks are cheap here, but they're clearly not as inflated and frothy as they were before. So they're a lot more interesting to me. Like we've been buying a lot of the beaten down stocks in the last, I would say in the last couple of weeks, just based on price, nothing else. So I, I think you're right on everything you've we said. Had, Tom, we, we got to jump, but real quick, 30 seconds. How correlated do you think the crypto market is to the NASDAQ right now? Well, I can give you the exact number. It's it's about it's somewhere between 0.22 and 0.24. And it was hovering around zero for most of the last couple of years. So it's a lot more correlated to the downside. And it's a lot more correlated as it becomes a, a more of a traditional asset now. But it's still nothing like, you know, NASDAQ to S&Ps or anything like that. Great opportunity or not? Um, I think price still has a little more downside. But risk reward wise, I like the digital asset marketplace. I love DeFi, Web3, and the future of kind of decentralized finance. All right. Tom, always good to see you. Appreciate your perspective. Hi, I'm Ben. I suffer from a condition called writer's block. It strikes when I'm at work. That's why I choose Canva Magic Write. It works fast, generating texts in seconds. Thanks to AI. Common side effects include increased productivity, compliments from coworkers, feelings of satisfaction. Now I can say bye-bye to writer's block. Ask your boss if Canva Magirite is right for you at canva.com, designed for work. Canva. This episode is brought to you by AARP. Ten years from today, Lisa Schneider will trade in her office job to become the leader of a pack of dogs. As the owner of her own dog rescue, that is. A second act made possible by the reskilling courses Lisa's taking now with AARP to help make sure her income lives as long as she does. And she can finally run with the big dogs and the small dogs who just think they're big dogs. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills. Welcome back to Squawk Pod with Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Here are the rest of the stories that got us squawking today. Ark Invest CEO Kathy Wood weighing in on the recent sell-off uh, in unprofitable tech stocks, one uh, that has hit her flagship fund's performance hard in recent weeks. And speaking during her company's annual Big Ideas Summit, Wood is urging investors to look beyond the recent volatility. We do believe that innovation is on sale, and, uh, and we do believe that it will be really important for investors to get to move toward the right side of change, given the amount of disruption that we do expect. Wood said it's very important for her investors to keep a five-year time horizon. Her flagship fund is down uh, 25% so far this year, and uh, it's just hard to argue that you want to be on the cutting edge where innovation is. It just depends on what you pay for it, your entry point. Uh, but you, you look at all the things we've talked about the last three, four, five years, it's all the, the new companies. I mean, nobody has made much money investing in the old state. You've done okay, but you can't help 
you know, investors, you know, the inclination is to want to get in on some of these unbelievably cutting edge technologies and companies. So I understand what she's saying, but that's, you know, down 25%, a five year time frame is hard, it's hard to do. It's a long time. It's a long time. I, again, I'd point back to the article, I think it was a Bloomberg article that was talking about how Warren Buffett and Kathy Wood had the same returns over two years. They just got there very different ways. You know, if you were doing the kind of slow and steady on the up or the real high up and the real high down. Um, yeah, I mean, you know. Warren is stayed with the stayed companies for a lot. And he'll be and the Apple. first to admit how long. <laughs> yeah, but it right. took him a long Apple's time, even, even for Apple. Yeah. yeah, but, you know, better late than never on Apple. But, you know, on some of the others, uh, getting not really no. embracing all the, no, the it, innovation, but, but, but good businesses. So. Right. And, and, admittedly and, so, saying he doesn't understand most of those higher right. um, technology names. Um, and, and in fact, when he did invest in Apple, he said it was because it was a consumer name at that point, And he understood it from <laughs> right. the consumer demand right. um, of, of what was happening. A big shakeup in the world of toys. The Wall Street Journal just reporting that Mattel has won the license to produce toys based on Disney's Princess lineup and the Frozen franchise. This is a huge shift. It's uh, actually a case of Mattel winning the rights back from its rival Hasbro after losing to them uh, several years ago. That first happened back in 2016 when they lost the rights to make the Disney Princess brands. And that was a huge deal because Mattel's uh, partnership with Disney goes all the way back to the 1950s with the Mickey Mouse Club when they used to make toys and advertise them there during the Mickey Mouse Club. They had that Princess brand for a very long time. Um, with this new deal, Mattel's actually going to start selling the Disney Princess toys in 2023. They'll be managed by the same group in charge of Barbie dolls. Hasbro will reportedly retain the license for Disney's Star Wars franchise. But guys, this is such a big deal. And it comes um, with Enon Kreis, the, the CEO at Mattel, kind of taking advantage at a time when Hasbro had just lost its longtime CEO, Brian Goldner. That was a, such a, a shocking thing that happened. But this is a very long and historic deal. Mattel ticked off Disney when they created their own line of, of princesses. I think they were called after ever but high or something. But this is just a, an amazing success story for Mattel and Enon. I think he, he shorted up the got, whole company. The, started the company, or not started the company, started at the company in 2018. The company was in disarray. Mattel was focused on Barbie because it had so many problems with the Barbie line. So they were really focused on that, weren't paying as much attention to the Disney Princess line. But the Disney Princesses are a huge franchise. I remember Michael Eisner talking to the Wall Street Journal <clears throat> back in the 1990s, late 1990s, he came to a Wall Street Journal board meeting and was talking about how the princesses were a $5 billion franchise for Disney at that point with all the different licensing and different things that they have from it. So it's a huge, huge part of the business. Physical toys, you know, when you see things like, you know, Activision and Microsoft, and I thought, yeah. I thought the end was in sight for all those things, but it's never going to be now with little kids. And, yeah. and, and, and you're going to, you know, you like to play with those uh, actual physical thing. But wouldn't you think that if you don't migrate to, to mostly a, uh, a cloud-based computer gaming thing, that, that you're going to be left in the dust? So I don't know if <laughs> Not I'm, in my house. We have so many of these toys. You do. Still. <laughs> Everywhere. I was going to say something really weird, because I can remember 15 years ago, I, on a computer, I used to play Barbie games with my, with my mm -hmm. daughter, Barbie horse, Barbie this, and they were really cool. They were already migrating to it back then, but it never went away. The yeah. physical Barbie never did ah. uh, go away. But yeah. I remember I, some of those were pretty much fun. Now it's American Girls, isn't it? There are, I went it's to an American course. Girl, like a great big like convention in Newark. Mm -hmm. I went and saw that. They're, right. they're pretty sophisticated. I've had uh, tea with the American Girls dolls.
You have. Yep. Yeah. Uh, right. We do that in our house. Singer Elton John has tested positive for COVID. Uh, his shows yesterday and today in Dallas have been postponed. His representatives say he uh, is fully vaccinated and boosted, experiencing only mild symptoms. He's expected to resume the tour on Saturday uh, in Little Rock, Arkansas. I have a couple of thoughts about Elton. I've seen his place in Venice, not too shabby, and I'm not talking about California. Uh, and who knows his original name, his full original oh, name? I used to know this. Because someone mentioned to me, I didn't know the other day. I knew, I knew Michael Landon, Eugene Orowitz, but um, Elton John's name is Reginald Kenneth Dwight. Yes. And actually, he changed that to Elton Hercules John. I'm not huh. kidding. <laughs> I like that. It's cool. You've My middle name. What's your middle, what's your middle name? Hercules. Why? <laughs> That's not a bad one to pick. Yeah. yeah. Why not? I mean, All if right. you're going to pick a name. Pick a good uh, one. Mine, if, uh, maybe I'd go Joe Adonis <laughs> Kernan. Is that taken? Um, <sighs> no, go ahead. Adonis. Sort of like calling Thank a you. tall guy uh, shorty. I don't know. That's good. I like it. Bo- hey, Curly, a bald guy. Yeah. <laughs> Adon- <laughs> Joe Adonis. <laughs> I like it. It's good. Thanks for listening to Squawk Pod today. We're glad you're here. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern to get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right into your ears. Well, listen to this podcast and follow Squawk Pod on your platform of choice. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. Did you get your very first Wordle, um, Becky? Did I you... did, but it took me all tries. It took, oh yeah. Well, yeah, and it, oh, it, it, I still make throwing... stupid mistakes. It, it took me off. Well, I put two vowels in the first one. I should have never done the same letter right. twice. That's, you got to be like, gotta get but now I see that. I'm yeah. learning. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.